It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme with Jean-Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can also access the programme via text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and you can imagine all of the papers today picking up on the announcement yesterday as we finished up the programme. The Taoiseach Micheál Martin addressed the nation and as everybody expected, there was going to be a delay in the reopening of indoor uh, dining. But what is now causing the biggest headache, uh, including within the government, is trying to work out how this new system is going to be put in place to allow vaccinated people to meet uh, and to socialise indoors. And the government, uh, according to the papers today, scrambling is one of the words that's been used to develop a vaccine identification system for indoor dining and uh, drinking. And it seems, as I predicted yesterday, the government were actually blindsided by the shock advice that came from Neffet. Cabinet ministers were incensed at being bounced in to barring unvaccinated people from eating and drinking indoors and that is going to be for the foreseeable future while also being asked then to develop this new vaccine pass for those who have been vaccinated or it's also going to be for those who were diagnosed with COVID-19 and you must have had a diagnose and recover from COVID-19 in the last nine months months. The cabinet meeting has been described as tense yesterday morning. Ministers, it seems, lashed out at Neffet's recommendation which landed, of course, late the previous evening. It wasn't that they even got a lot of time to digest the news coming from Neffet. The Justice Minister Heather Humphreys, she says the advice had mounted to being placed in a room with two doors. Behind one door was a blazing fire 
and behind the other door were hungry lions. That's what she felt the government were faced with. The Public Expenditure Minister, Michael McGrath, he said Neffet had thrown a grenade onto their desks with its calls for this vaccination identification scheme. The Culture Minister, Catherine Martin, she got in uh, on the act, uh, as did the Education Minister, Norman Foley, the Higher Education Minister, Simon Harris, all of them raising concerns and raising concerns about how the vaccine passes is actually going to work. And obviously they were predicting the backlash that it was going to cause. The Taoiseach Michael Martin told the Cabinet, he, he then asked the Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan for his, for his advice of what would happen if the government simply were not able to develop this vaccine pass for pubs and uh, restaurants. And seemingly Tony Houlihan came back to, Leo, to Michael Martin and said, well then indoor dining will be banned for the foreseeable future. That was the advice from Tony Houlihan. The Cabinet agreed to delay the return of indoor outdoor dining but of course now has not set a date for when it can resume and I'm assuming that that's the bit that is really getting to people working within hospitality, the business owners, the restaurant owners, the publicans. It's just they are completely in limbo now. They have no idea when they're going to be able to reopen. Ministers agreed to now develop a plan for this vaccine identification scheme and they're hoping to have it in place by the 19th of July. And of course, that is also the date when international travel is set to resume. And I thought actually the government have gone totally with Neffet and saying, look, this is what Neffet has told us to do. So that's what we're doing. But when it comes to international travel, they're kind of moving a little bit away from Neffet because Neffet's advice about international travel, they say, yeah, go ahead with international travel on the 19th of July, but only allow vaccinated people or only allow people recovered from COVID to travel. But of course, we know the government is not going down that route. The government are allowing anyone to travel once they have the EU digital covert, covert certificate and are, are if they have a negative PCR test. So that's their they decided to go against Neffet on that one, but they're going with Neffet on uh, everything else. Now, the meeting yesterday, the cabinet meeting yesterday warned that there's absolutely no certainty that a vaccine pass would be in place. And remember, the 19th of July, tomorrow's the 1st of July, so they've only got three weeks to get this vaccine pass uh, in place. I mean, one minister seemingly said, is this even legal? So obviously the Attorney General now has to take a look at, is it legal that if somebody goes to the door of an establishment, one is vaccinated, one is allowed in and because the other is, isn't vaccinated they're not allowed in so I mean could there be a case that it's not legal could, is, there, is there a constitutional right to be allowed in another minister said the public would accept a few weeks delay but they're not going to accept this government TDs publicly then hit out of the proposals with the Minister for State Colin Brophy he raised concerns over whether the system could be implemented Fine Gael's Alan Farrell and said Neffet's recommendations were unworkable he said they were unrealistic and he says they were based on hyper-pessimistic predictions. Lobby groups obviously then came out yesterday afternoon and into yesterday evening for the Restaurant Association, for pub owners. They were absolutely infuriated by the latest delay to their uh, reopening and especially for this new demand for them because it's the business owners and the workers who will be the one having to vet customers and not everyone's going to be very happy about doing that. Then there was a press conference after we heard from the Taoiseach. There was this press conference held at government buildings. The Taoiseach was repeatedly asked 
asked seemingly for details about how the new system would work but he just kept saying sorry it's too early can't give you any details uh, yet government sources say one option was to require people to produce their vaccination certificate and personal identification before they could enter a pub or a restaurant. And then how would that work for somebody who has recovered from COVID? Would they have to show the text message to say, confirming that they had COVID-19? I mean, I don't understand people just rocking up with their vaccination certificate. I don't know how that is going to work. And then, of course, just allowing people to turn up at a pub or a restaurant door with a vaccination certificate isn't that wide open then for fake vaccination certificates. You'll have children going, you know, hey, ma, I want to go out tonight can have your vaccination search and you know anyone with a half decent colour printer would be able to produce a fake one of those because at the end of the day it's only on a piece of cardboard. There's also been discussions around developing a smartphone app. Now a smartphone app is how it works in other countries so maybe that's something that they're going but can they develop it and can they bring it out in uh, three weeks and if you had a smartphone app it would show whether people had been vaccinated uh, or whether they've been diagnosed with COVID-19 in the last uh, nine months and obviously if they have then they are also uh, have uh, immunity. Uh, Neffet delivered the advice on Monday night as fears grew over the potential impact of this more transmissible Delta variant that we know is in this country. We don't exactly have full accurate figures as to how many cases of Delta are in this country because of course the last figures we got was at 20% but then when we were discussing the 20% of cases being the Delta variant we were then told well actually those figures are two weeks out of date because that was the modelling based on figures from two weeks ago. So do we assume it's doubled? If you look at say across the water in England we know week on week the Delta variant, their figures doubled every week. So does that mean we're at 40% heading towards even 60% um, at the moment? Ministers are ex- were expecting Neffet to recommend delaying the return of indoor dining for a number of weeks. Some were saying two weeks, some were saying three, three, three weeks. And they thought that Neffet would say, look, let more people get vaccinated. We'll vaccinate a lot more people over the next two to three weeks and then you can reopen for, for everyone. But it seems everyone at cabinet level and at government level were completely taken aback by Neffet's recommendation but also by Neffet's analysis of the variant and the demand that the government introduce this verification of vaccination. Ministers say they were presented with what they're describing as an Armageddon type scenario of the impact of the new variants which includes suggestions. This is the worst case scenario of more than 680,000 cases 2,170 deaths and they would happen between July and September. Now there was a bit of hoo-ha about those particular numbers because when you're looking at those numbers they are absolutely jaw-dropping and a number of people saying okay they're Neffet's figures, do they need to be cross-referenced or cross-checked or independently verified with some other group? So the Green Party Minister for State Oisín Smith, he was speaking on Radio Nguéltáctha and he was asked about these figures and he suggested that the the government would be asking an independent body people like the World Health Organisation or maybe the European Centre for Disease Control. They were going to be asked take a look at Neffet's data of the Delta variant and do you agree with the worst case scenario the best case scenario or what Neffet is telling us is this 100% accurate. So 
Oshin Smith on Radio in the Grail Talk yesterday said, yes, we'll be looking at it again independently outside of Neffet and we'll ask this independent authority to look at the figures independently to confirm that, yes, Neffet is right. But within hours of Oshin Smith saying that, the Taoiseach said, no, there's going to be no review of Neffet's figures. And then a Green Party spokesperson had to come out and say, well, actually, Oshin Smith did say that on Radio in the Grail Talk because I saw the guy who interviewed him actually put up on Twitter word for word the questions he asked him and then the exact answers that Oshin Smith gave and Oshin Smith clearly said and it was a we he was speaking in the we will independently review these figures but the Green Party came out and said no that was Oshin Smith's personal opinion of the figures being reviewed and then Oshin Smith himself came out and said oh yeah sorry that was just a personal view so that there is no They've no intention of independently reviewing it. And I really, because when you look at how stark and Armageddon like these figures are, I think it is it is worthy of somebody else. Somebody like the ECDC or the World Health Organization get somebody to say, can you just back up Neffert here and just make sure that they're absolutely right? Because the one thing that got to me when I was looking at, at the worst case scenario, all of these uh, figures, you know, 680,000 cases, 2,170 deaths. And you know, what was striking me was when we had deaths and when we had cases high in this country that then led to hospitalisation, it was mainly in the older age group. But we know that the older age group have all been fully vaccinated, majority of them are fully vaccinated at this stage and we're on the road to more people being fully vaccinated. So where are these deaths coming from? In what age group are these deaths coming from? Okay, I can accept that the cases might rise to 680,000 and they in the main they might be with children getting COVID and in many cases children will be confirmed positive for COVID and because they've been contact traced and they won't even have uh, symptoms. So I can accept the numbers in the unvaccinated. I just would like somebody to cross-check the amount of uh, deaths because even in the best case scenario, they're saying 81,000 cases, 1,530 hospitalizations, 195 in ICU. This is in the best case scenario. And they were the numbers. 195 is close to the number we had on the worst of the days back in uh, January. And even on the best case scenario, they're saying 165 uh, deaths. So I really, w- I really think the government need to just, and that's not in any way doubting Neffert. They are the experts. But just for somebody else to come and say, OK, this is the modelling they used. And yes, they were right they are right or maybe they're not quite right with their figures because at no stage could I find where they're saying that these figures are better because we have what is it 42% of the population now fully vaccinated with more and more people getting vaccinated every single day across this week and next week and over the coming uh, weeks. Now just on some of the good news uh, other stuff that came out yesterday in the, well, the indoor dining is uh, delayed there is still a gradual return for spectators for outdoor sports and music events and I know uh, a lot of people will be happy with that and also if you have a wedding planned as well there is a bit of good news there in that because a lot of people would have had weddings organised believing that the number was going to go to 50 from July the 5th and they're sticking with that so 50 people if you're having a wedding 50 guests can go from the 5th of July and we are also trying to get clarification for parents who have sons and daughters about to make Holy Communion or First Holy Communion or Confirmation because we had Leo Varadkar as he was leaving the press conference yesterday. He was asked, 
what about communions, confirmations and baptisms? And he replied, they're off, unfortunately. And that was it. And yet when you read through the recommendations from the government, what's allowed to go ahead, what's not allowed to go to he- go ahead, there's no mention of communions, confirmations. So we're getting on to the diocese to try to find out what are the bishops recommending and what are they uh, hearing. And when I mentioned about sports being allowed, the outdoor events... Um, up to 200 now can go to watch can either go to watch a match or are at an outdoor event and 500 can go to a venue with a capacity of more than 5,000 Duncan in Mallow was on to us earlier this is on sports and he's wondering could we find out so we're, we're putting this out to anybody w- within the GAA when will the GAA be allowed GA members be allowed to start using dressing rooms and showers. Duncan Amala says, I think it's disgraceful that you've got to get tugged out, tugged off in a car or on the side line. When will they be allowed to go in and use the dressing rooms and the showers? So anybody involved with GAA, have you any idea or have you been given any hint or any suggestion when you'd be allowed to use the dressing rooms again? I've just had some word back. We've contacted all of the various dioceses in our area just to try to get clarification for parents of children for First Order Communion and Confirmation. The Catholic Diocese of Cork and Ross have been back on to say a small number of Confirmation and First Order Communions have been arranged in parishes in July but most have been provisionally arranged from September onwards. The situation in relation to the celebration of the sacraments in July remains unclear this morning, as was referenced in the government's official press uh, release uh, yesterday. So they're trying to get uh, clarification. Uh, We're also waiting on a response from the Diocese of Cloyne. Uh, But Dr Paul Colton of the Church of Ireland uh, Diocese here in Cork uh, says, uh, I am writing for definitive guidance to be issued are to appear on gov.ie so far. All we have is what the Thonet has said to the media and what he is saying is not yet included in the updated guidance issued uh, yesterday. So uh, they're they're trying their best to get some kind of clarification. When we get that clarification, uh, we will bring it uh, to you. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 And I just want to play a very quick piece. This was just some of the opposition yesterday and their response to what Neffet had to say. We've got Independent TD. Matty McGrath and the Labour leader Alan Kelly. It just is pure madness. Uh, as I believe, while also planning an apartheid system in our country, while planning to introduce a two tier society, leaving a situation where families will be able to dine together indoors and young people will be left outside. And we expect those same young people to serve in the restaurants, and we know why. And the, the hospitality and tourism and coach hire and everything else, and tour guides. Never's advice is completely bonkers. Minister, what you've announced earlier as a decision from Cabinet in relation to reopening is absolutely bananas. It's discriminatory, it's unenforceable, it's actually shocking stuff. Amateur hour. When did government discrimination become the norm in Ireland? Okay, it's Matty McGrath and the Labour leader, Alan uh, Kelly. Let's take a break and we're back with uh, Sean Defoe, um, our political correspondent, uh, outlining what exactly was, was and wasn't said yesterday. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We finished the programme yesterday at one, just as the Taoiseach Michal Martin took to the steps of Leinster House to address the nation, saying the simple truth is 
says that we are in a race between the variant and the vaccine. To outline what was announced yesterday, I'm joined by our political correspondent, uh, Sean Defoe. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning. And you're very welcome. Now, I suppose no real surprise to hear that we weren't going to open indoor dining uh, next Monday, uh, July 5th. But was the real curveball the news that when we do reopen, it's only going to be for vaccinated people? Yeah, even ministers weren't expecting it when they got the advice on Monday night and yesterday. There was quite a barnstorming cabinet meeting on it because this is an entire about turn in government policy. Both the government and NEFET had been saying we're not going to go down the routes of vaccine passports, that it was too difficult to manage, that it was going to leave one section of society without access to services that another would have access to. And yet, lo and behold, NEFET have now turned around and said that is exactly what we should do, at least when it comes to indoor dining. And so the, yesterday's press conference after the announcement became a bit of a farce because we were all asking questions, how is this going to work, what's going to happen? And the Taoiseach was uh, turning around and saying, uh, literally saying it's too early to speculate on how this will work at the announcement of how this is meant to work. So very far from the clarity that any business owners and restaurant owners and bar owners would have wanted and were promised that they would get this week. And then I, I heard the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly on prime time last night when he was pushed about it as well. And he's almost bouncing it back onto the publicans and the restaurateurs and saying we're going in a listening phase. We're going to let them tell us how we can do it. That's a bit unfair. Yes, it, it certainly is. After telling them for so long, you're going to be open on, on various different dates. Uh, and it, it can't just be bounced to them. I mean, that's the absolute fact of it, because there are going to be huge problems in managing this system. The government, well, talking to ministers yesterday, they are going to try and make this work and take the time now up until the July 19th to actually put in a workable system. And it is done in some other European countries. You can see that if we had been planning towards a vaccine passport system, if you could develop an app or QR codes, for example, similar to what the digital green cert is going to be like, then there is a version of that that's workable. But to now try and do that in, what, less than 20 days uh, with very little notice for any of these businesses to prepare or for the, the government indeed to actually put this together seems a bit extreme. So Neffert has kind of sprung this out of what felt like the blue for a lot of ministers and a lot of frustration that they're now left holding the bag to try and figure out how this is going to work. But that absolutely can't be passed on to businesses alone. And the modelling that they used and the worst case scenario and the Armageddon state almost, did that completely come like a bolt out of the blue, even to the health minister, Stephen Donnelly, who who was on the same floor as Tony Houlihan in the Department of Health? I mean, do they have no indication that this is what Neffert were thinking of? Well, Neffert, I think there's been a lot of commentary about this. Neffert often provides pessimistic views. I mean, they do provide a number of different models when they are giving this sort of advice and they have warned about a fourth wave before. I think what caught people off guard was the scale of it, given how far we're into the vaccination programme. We kind of thought that these likes of numbers were well behind us and that January was the darkest day and there couldn't be any return to that. But the very pessimistic view uh, certainly goes well beyond that. 700,000 cases between July and September and as many as 2,000 170 deaths and then when you forecast that against what would happen if there was no Delta variant I mean it's incredibly different it's 21,000 cases it's a maximum of 80 deaths and then you've got a range of scenarios in the middle so what never did is lay out five different scenarios they think it'll be somewhere between uh, the kind of central one and central two which were the the middle two points if you like uh, on their radius which is closer to 187,000 cases 545 odd uh, deaths and about 450 hospital admissions 
modelling, I think, by its nature, a lot of Netflix's most extreme modelling has been wrong, and it usually takes into assumptions that either nothing is done or that we open up, and, of course, neither of those are going to happen in a pandemic. So I think a lot of attention was, was spent on that, even though that was the worst-case view, that it's obviously never going to happen, and I don't think even in the modelling and effort, anyone on effort would argue that that would happen only in a case where we entirely took the eye off the ball and opened everything up. And then calls for those figures to be independently reviewed, and we know what happened with... Oshin Smith indicated it would be, but then within hours, no, that's his personal uh, opinion. They're not going to be independently reviewed. Uh, no, they're not, but they never have been up to date. The teaching and the tone has just said that they're, they're not going to get independent advice. But should they? you can't really, if you go and get independent advice on Netflix figures, and there's two elements to it. One, you're saying you don't trust Netflix and you don't trust your health advisors. That basically destroys that relationship uh, for the future. You're, you're getting rid of any sort of a trust was there. I think people as well, like, there are a lot, this isn't Tony Houlihan in a room jotting down numbers. There are somewhere between uh, 20 and 40 people on effort with this sort of mathematical and virological uh, experience who have input to this. So it's not as if it is a, a number plucked out of nowhere. They, no, nowhere. they have put a lot of expertise into this. So I don't think you will go and see them getting independently verified. And if you did, it would be a huge statement of mistrust in, in what your health officials are putting before you. Okay, and uh, well, that was the shock news. There was some uh, good news. Uh, outdoor events, well, numbers are small, but they will be, we'll, we'll see bigger outdoor events going forward. Yes, yeah, so that was uh, the two bits of good news, I suppose you could say. Well, the few bits of good news out of yesterday that all got a bit overshadowed around the back as well, which I'm sure we'll get into later on. But as they outdoors uh, events, like the matches in, in larger stadiums, can go from 200 to 500. It certainly doesn't feel like a massive amount to anyone who's been watching the Euros uh, uh, over the last couple of days but look it's a step in the right direction and there was announced with the trial for the Leinster senior hurling semi-finals and they're going to be allowed to have 8,000 people in Croke Park for all of them as, as pilot events so that is definitely a step in the right direction and when it comes to weddings as well then the, there is an exemption being made to the indoor rules if you'd like for them and they, the planned increase from 25 to 50 in July is going to go ahead from the 5th so that's uh, some good news for anyone who's already got their wedding planned for that one. And the one that we're getting calls in this morning, the communions and confirmations. Now, can you just explain what happened yesterday? That wasn't part of the announcement that communions and confirmations were off. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a part of any sort of announcement. It wasn't mentioned in the speeches. It wasn't mentioned in the 40-minute long press conference. And uh, literally after, as uh, Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar were walking away from the podiums, one of the journalists shouted up the question, what about communion confirmations in July? The two of them, Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar, kind of looked at each other and then Varadkar said, uh, no, they're off, unfortunately. And that is the grand sum of the total of the detail that we have been given so far when it comes to communications, uh, communions rather, and confirmations is uh, that the Tornish is saying they're off. No clarity as to whether that means the service can go ahead, but the party is off, whether they're all entirely cancelled. So the lack of detail, incredibly frustrating, because obviously a huge amount of them have been planned, and no doubt the people listening to this would be, had been hoping they'd have them over the coming weekends, but it looks as if certainly uh, they, they are off in some form, but any further detail just, just hasn't been given out yet, which is a, another flaw in a, a day of flaw of communications, really. Okay, and the listener says, can Sean please clarify on international travel? Can you only travel if you're fully vaccinated? It's, yeah, so more confusion was heaped on this by the health minister yesterday. He was asked 
specifically, given that we are opening indoor dining only to people who have been fully vaccinated or who have recovered from COVID within the last month, and, or last nine months rather, and therefore would be protected, he was asked if the same would apply to international travel. And he said that would be the recommendation from NEFET and government. But of course, European law, which the digital uh, COVID cert is going to be under, trumps that. And they say that a PCR test is going to be allowed to allow you to travel. So the law is going to be that you can travel and the advice it would seem is going to be don't travel if you only have a PCR test and don't have one or the other. So, you know, clear as mud again. Okay, we'll wait and see what happens between now and July uh, 19th. Listen, Sean, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is our uh, political correspondent, Sean Defoe, uh, trying to clear up so much, so much confusion that came out from yesterday. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now those in the hospitality sectors are the ones still really reeling from the news yesterday that they won't now be opening on next Monday, July 5th indoors as they had originally hoped. Mike Ryan is Cork Chair of the Restaurants Association of Ireland and also owner of the Corn Store and uh, Cockbull Restaurants. And Mike joins me. Good morning to you, Mike. Morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm, well, I'm well, and I have to say my heart goes out to, to you and, and everybody else involved in this sector and, and to the publicans. I mean, obviously... I, I take it everybody knew you weren't going to be opening on Monday. But what was your reaction when you heard you'd only be able to open to fully vaccinated people from July 19th? I told you, we were totally shocked, to be honest. Um, you know, it's, it, it was something that I think even the government were taken aback by. They were sideswiped on it. I think only, they were saying it all along that they weren't going to they were using words themselves, discriminate against people that weren't vaccinated and and, and, and and words like that. So no one saw it coming. So we were shocked and then we were asked how we're into how we're going to implement this. But sure you know, we they, the government don't know how it's going to be implemented. All of a sudden they want to talk to us how they're going to implement this. This is this is something that should have been planned and worked upon for the last at least uh, four or five months because it had been said a few times so we don't know like we're at a, ba- a paper based system you know it's all open to fraud look as a nation we'd have to bend the rules so like you can just imagine the headaches people are gonna ha- would have to deal with if this happens like I can't see I'm not saying it's not going to happen but I just don't know how they're going to implement it but if it goes on face value what are we going to have to do stand at the door and go like checking someone's ID when they were 18 and it was actually their sister's ID they were using or you know, what, 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 where, where does this go? Like, it's turning into a farce. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier. Somebody saying, hey, Ma, I want to go out tonight. Can I have your, yeah. co- can I have your COVID certificate? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's just... And, and then there's that whole thing of, as an owner or a manager or even any worker, being asked to stand at a door and ask people, it, it, you know, it can be personal information as well. Have you recovered from COVID? Like, how, how, how are you oh, feeling? Oh. Like? Yeah, yeah, like, uh, I think... We've been beat over the head with data protection for the last couple of years. And all of a sudden, since COVID, data protection has gone out the window, you know, selectively. Um, so I don't know what, you know, uh, have you had COVID? Yes, I have. Can you prove you had COVID? That's medical advice. Or, or that's medical uh, information. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, are we entitled to see that? Is We don't know even know if this is legal. Like, the government just trotted this out just for the... Instead of Neffet giving medical advice, they actually gave government policy or 
yesterday and the government took and ran with it. A certain section of the government took and ran with it and then shocked everyone else in the government. This 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 could send ripples that will actually fracture the, the government that's there at the moment, I think, because people are kind of saying enough's enough now. You know, we need a clear plan. And those those figures that are being projected, apocalyptic figures, is that going to happen if hospitality opens? So it's not going to happen if hospitality opens. So it's still okay to have international travel. Everything else we're doing is fine. I, I don't know. You, you kind of... It's not questioned. It's, it's questioning... Like, no one is actually... Or everyone is asking the question, but the actual data that's been used to input... Whatever you... You know, these reports are only going to give you the result of what you put in. So what was put in? It wasn't factored in that the schools are going to be out from today on, mm. you know. Uh, so, like, no one actually knows what compiled these figures and when they were. And if it was so stark coming in for the last couple of weeks, why wasn't anyone told that, that this is this this could be a possibility, you know? Yeah, and because, the I mean, were, they were hearing the words that the government were blindsided on Monday evening when, when they got the, the letter. Tony Houlihan works on the same floor as the health minister, Stephen Donnelly. And he didn't even know that the, the, what the figures were going to be like. I know, but Stephen Donnelly last night on an on a interview said that they were going to talk to us now as an organisation, one part of us, uh, uh, the, the Restaurant Association, um, see how to implement this. You know, they announced something without even having a plan. It, it, on the 19th of, it, on the, on the 19th of uh, July, I presume there's going to be systems in place for, in airports, electronic tracking, in between the whole of Europe, there's some kind of a system. Uh, so is that going to be totally different to what, what, uh, what restaurants we're going to have to use and, and pubs? That, or do we have a, a handheld device and you can scan whatever the people would use at an airport use with us? Or are we just totally paper-based? You know, they don't have a plan, but they're, they're kicking it over to, to us, kind of going, uh, you know, well, you come up with the best way to work this something that they didn't even plan on four days ago. And if it's a handheld device, God help somebody in a rural area working in a broadband uh, black spot that broadband doesn't work. Hang on now. It's not great in the city either. Yeah, I'll be be running. I'll go to the car park here now. I might get a bit of a signal. I mean, just, it's just bizarre. I mean, the word bizarre just jumps to mind. And and then the other one I think that a lot of people are picking up on is the fact that you still don't have a definite date. Even if you, even if they put everything in place for the nineteenth, for the for the for the lucky vaccinated people can go have their meals, you still don't have a date on when you can fully reopen for the great unwashed and when the unvaccinated people can, can come in, and that must make it makes certainly planning from your point of view absolutely impossible. Oh, it's it's but sure we can't plan. We haven't been able to plan properly for a long time. There's two like we're closed. We we were shut down. Uh, with, a, with a couple of days notice you know oh, like this has been going on all the time but the way this has been worded this time we will have a plan by the, the 19th of July that just screams of you're not open for July and then what happens in uh, like so then they'll have to wait till after the bank holiday weekend because traditionally they've always opened after bank holiday weekend so you're into into 4th, 5th August somewhere around then and then the conversation is going to turn very quickly into schools going back and all the flights and people who have been travelling, vaccinated people or people that have negative PCR tests have all, are all coming back because they're, after, they're going to drive more people on holidays this year and would have normally went because they can travel, they can go fly to Portugal or Spain or wherever they want to go and eat indoors with their family, whereas here the they kids won't have be to stay able outside. To do it. 
So they're going to drive more people away to come back in in, in, in August. And then we'll have the conversation of, of schools. And then maybe, guys, we have to keep you closed for another couple of weeks because we have to make sure the schools get to get open. And then the conversation went into winter. So like, where does this stop? You know what I mean? The best time to open is now in the middle of the summer. It's like last year, we all traded away, no increase in any numbers, different variants granted, but we were we, we all operated in the middle of the summer, no problems. The, the numbers rose in September for different factors and reasons. But we didn't change how we were operating. So the way they keep throwing back on top of it, that it's hospitality, hospitality. Like everyone said, oh, they didn't take Neffet's advice in December. But there was a bigger factor in December than hospitality. There was like 30,000 people came home from the UK where the variant was rampant. And when, we, and when we knew that a variant was rampant and we were worried yeah. about this variant arriving. Yeah. yeah, and people came in and there's a, it's always stable door stuff, you know, and the horses bolted. That, that, like, the public on the ground are saying, why is this left happen? Why is this left happen? Back as far as last year, after the, the, the maybe 14 months ago at this stage, when, when the, they were cancelling the, uh, the rugby matches, but yet the fans were still coming in from the hotspots in Italy. You know, and people going, what's this all about, like? You know, why is this left happen? And it's just that head-scratching stuff. That when, when when people on the street kind of go, this doesn't make sense, but the people in power seem to be ignoring it or kicking the can down the road. This is where it causes frustration. If we have to stay closed because AstraZeneca hasn't been administered to a, a huge cohort of people yet, and that will protect them, fine, tell us that. And, we'll, and, and you go, look, okay, it is for the greater good. But then tell us that's what it is. This cloak and dagger and, and, and not giving and drip-feeding information, that, that's no, that only aggravates people. If we know exactly why, like they're working off, of what data are they working off of right now? Because to go into lockdown, like the World Health Organization say, it's because you're trying to contain uh, an outbreak or you're trying to catch up with your track and trace. Neither of which are the case here at the moment. It's, they're working off what ifs and what they're seeing in other countries. But we don't have the influxes coming in that we did in December because uh, from because like people aren't travelling, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. So and we have 42% of the population fully vaccinated. 42% yeah. are now fully vaccinated with more every single day this week and next week. That number goes up and up and up. I know. And I'm waiting on my second call as well. Yeah. And, I, and, 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 you know, so by the end of, and a lot of people my age, I know, all waiting on the call. Few day, we're all a few days over on what we, our call should be, but uh, I believe there's a lot of, Vaccines coming in this week. There is, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's going to that number is going to jump an awful lot. Yeah, in the and next and listen, just b- before I finish up, uh, somebody's making an interesting point. Alan said, "Could you ask Mike what about unvaccinated workers in pubs and restaurants? Will they be expected to cater for the fully vaccinated customers, but they won't be vaccinated themselves?" Well, that's the scenario that's been led because I know that there are pe- people aren't being brought forward for vaccination or still staying by the age. And I can, like, but all along, people working in supermarkets and hospitality and have been working out there unvaccinated, and they're the ones working and happy to do so. Like, most of the guys and us and myself were happy to work, you know what I mean? Because we have protection in place. Like, the amount, the cases of, was actually surprisingly low, the, the, the figures that were shown for people that actually contracted uh, um, COVID that worked in the hospitality sector was very low and most of the, those cases were outside of work because there's a lot, we have a huge, we've always had a huge amount of safety procedures in place and that was only added on to with, um, with COVID. Yeah, so anyone, anyone who's been out for a meal or stayed in a hotel will tell you 
you know, the amount yeah, of protection so that's it, in place. But, but Alan is correct. That is going to be the scenario. That, you know, people, it's like, you know, will have to work in that environment. Well, if that's, if we're open, but that, so will a lot of us. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's a very difficult situation for people to be in, you know. Okay, and I, those people that are working there will, can work and serve people that in, indoors. But when they're finished work, they cannot go to another premises and, and have a drink have a and, and have, have a meal. Alistair says, hi, we're the only country in the EU not to have indoor dining apart from Macedonia. Uh, we will end up having crowds drinking on the streets. That ends up wasting our time and we end up talking about all kinds of antisocial behaviour. This is not going to help with that. And how are you getting on with your outdoor dining, Mike, a corn store and cockball? At the moment, you know, I have to admit, uh, fantastically well. The weather is actually on our side. Brilliant. Um, but you know, you wanna. We're coming into the summer, and we all know, like we're actually having a lovely run right now of good weather. But we all know what the, uh, the, the Irish summers can throw at us, and we could have one week of rain, and that's the equivalent of being into full lockdown because we don't have any spaces that we can that are one hundred percent weatherproofed. So right now, every the like around the city is amazing at the moment. People are, you know, it's a great buzz. People are coming into the city to see the, to experience the atmosphere, and it is fantastic. And the, and there was a like the, the the there's different elements that have changed inside in the city. It, it seems like a, a lo- there's more police on foot, uh, Garda on, on on foot patrols. So it's actually a lovely, safe, and it seems like a very lovely, safe environment and a great vibe. I was strolling. So that, I was fantastic. I was strolling around the city la- last weekend, and that's the one thing I thought. It just it, like it felt Mediterranean. It felt you like, yeah. whether the sun was shining. But gorgeous to see people out outdoor dining and people laughing, and there was buskers around, and it was just fantastic. And but but again, the weather has to play ball. I mean, you can't run a business by having to check in on the weather forecast every day. That's just simply not fair. Well, I've I've discovered. The weather apps aren't 100% correct, not, actually, to be not, fair. They're not, they're not, they're not. <laughs> so we Listen, do check in on them. Doesn't mean they're 100% yeah, right. No. Now. Listen, Mike, stay safe. We'll talk again. Right, and thanks, thanks for that. And look after yourself. Right, take care. Bye you. bye. Bye bye. That's Mike Ryan, a Cork chair of the Restaurants Association of Ireland and owner of the Corn Store in Cockbull. And I know, I know, I know, Neffert and the government are trying to do the best, and it is public health, and we're trying to uh, protect everyone. But you couldn't help but feel sorry for those businesses who really are trying their very best and they're trying to keep everybody as safe as well but they're trying to get their businesses up and running and they're trying to offer work to uh, people. It's just such a difficult difficult time uh, for them. My heart really does go out to them. 1850 John Paul is taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp. WhatsApp. We'd love to hear from you to 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, lots of commentary coming in and my apologies if I'm not getting to all of your texts and calls because literally there is so many of them. Let me give you a sample of what some of your thoughts are this morning. James in Clonakilty says, never heard so much rubbish in all my life. There is no plan for COVID spread. It is just popping up here and there. Listening to the hospitality sector now and they're shouting from the treetops. Where were they last January when our relatives were dying from coronavirus? Why? Because the hospitality sector put pressure on the government to open up last Christmas as they needed to be open for December and where were they in January and February they went to ground you cannot plan for something that is so unknown i.e. 
COVID-19. People need to realise that. Eddie says, can people not stand back and look at this virus and see how much it has mutated in just 12 months? Who is to say it won't mutate again and all of the vaccines could be for nothing? We need to be extra safe. I understand, says Eddie, that businesses who saw what happened at uh, Christmas, I understand businesses and in particular the hospitality sector, but we all saw what happened at Christmas. We might not be where we are today if we'd remained in lockdown in December. The government are thinking back to what happened last Christmas and hence that's why they made their decisions yesterday. John said Leo was speaking this morning, Leo Varadkar, and said that if people do not want any more lockdowns, then the vaccination programme will prevent that once everyone receives a vaccine. But what about the notion where we were told nobody would be forced to take a, a vaccine? It now looks like people are being forced to take a vaccine and if you don't, you'll end up as a second class citizen. Ger says this seems to be a lot of anger out there today. Neil Martin says we're all in this together but yet politicians got pay increases last autumn. Yesterday there was a massive amount that couldn't, were told they wouldn't be returning to work next Monday. Is it time for Michael and Leo to step aside, Michal and Leo to step aside and let somebody else make these decisions with the numbers and efforts are quoting on debts from Delta. If indoor dining reopens I would love to know the debts from those who are suffering from mental health issues over what has happened and what has been announced and uh, yeah and will we ever Ger, will we ever get those uh, figures thank you for that some of your whatsapps in to uh, us um, this is hi Patricia this is Eileen a few weeks ago back before the cyber attack which happened in the middle of May there was a number of Delta cases, a very small number of Delta cases in uh, Ireland. And we were told at the time it was being monitored closely and that it would be contained. Can anyone, i.e. Neffet or anybody in the government who are responsible for the for the track and trace, if they have, has somebody there not done their job right? Now we've got panic stations. The hotel quarantining was supposed to pay for itself, but yet we see that the government now are pouring millions into it and we're hearing that people are escaping from the hotel quarantine system every week. This outbreak has to be laid at the government's door. Now there's a big push through with vaccines and even with two, you're not protected against this uh, variant. We have... um, I'm not happy with who's running the country at the moment. Could you get somebody from the government on to explain how they managed to let the Delta variant run riot in this country? Can I just pick you up when you say we're not protected from this variant? You are. When you've got your two vaccines and you're fully vaccinated, uh, you are. It's um, And it's up at the 90% for both the AstraZeneca and for the Pfizer and uh, Moderna. So you are. Please don't think, because I don't want people put off not going for their second shot. You need to get that second shot in order to be fully vaccinated. Uh, This is a listener saying you can stay with 50 people all day at a wedding reception eating together from next Monday but you can't go into a local restaurant tables spaced out now uh, a lot of the people in there already will be fully vaccinated and you're not allowed to stay there for an hour or two and by the way tables will be disinfected in between I ate out at Christmas I didn't have a vaccine I was with my husband and son and I stayed one hour 30 minutes full tables all spaced out went to the bathroom my mask. Another lady was leaving the ba- was leaving the bathroom wearing her mask, and no one came in while I was there. It's a joke. Now, I really wanted to go to a rest- restaurant. Uh, even outside would do me fine, but it's just a joke what they are doing to uh, restaurants now that we are so many of us are fully vaccinated. It is absolutely 
crazy uh, says this listener then Mike in Listowel says and there's a couple of people picking up on information that's coming out from England and this is one of those comments Mike says there were 22,000 cases of COVID-19 in England yesterday but only two deaths where are the government getting their figures from because a lot of the NEFET figures we're told are modelled on what's happening in other countries and one of the countries they're looking at is the UK and because the UK have so many people vaccinated now there's a, they're, they're doing a little bit like we're doing here there's a big rush to get people with the second vaccine to make sure that they are protected. And yes, they are seeing an increase in cases, but in the main, it's increasing cases in the unvaccinated are people who only have the one vaccine. But there isn't a huge spike uh, Mike in the stole is right in the number of people dying or even the number of people uh, going into uh, hospital and that's why when I looked at the cases yesterday and the worst case scenario pa- painted by Neffet I was thinking but are, have they factored in the number of people that 42% are already fully vaccinated and how many more people will be vaccinated through June through July August and into uh, September Hi Patricia says another texter that's what's wrong with Covid rules there's no clarity of dates unlike when Leo Varadkar was in charge Stephen Donnelly I feel is lost at the job he's out of his league bring back Simon Harris for God's sake I can't watch some of them and you won't believe this I'm not a Fianna Gael supporter says this uh, texter. Michael in Castletown Bear says Patricia Stephen Donnelly is a joke. He's an embarrassment. He's out of his depth as Minister for Health. Denmark is doing 400,000 antigen tests a day. That's how they function with a vaccine passport. Without antigen testing, it's unworkable. The Minister says uh, we know Neffet don't support antigen testing. Does he mean that the worldwide accredited screening tool is not good enough for us here in Ireland? He's the minister and the buck stops with him. Please bring it on for a safe reopening of pubs in hospitality and in aviation. And then Michael also says that when I spoke about Stephen Donnelly and Tony Houlihan are on the same floor or there's a floor between them but they don't seem to talk to each other. other. They only write to one another. It reminds me, says Michael, of two brothers. Not a mile not a million miles away from where I live, who in their early life fell out with one another and they never again spoke to each other, but they wrote to each other every week. And that's a fact, <laughs> says Mike. Thanks for that, uh, Michael. And here's a really interesting one from a 20-year-old. Says, I'd like to remain anonymous, please. But as a 20-year-old, the only people I know my age who, who got COVID-19 in the past nine months got it because... They went to a house party. So are those people who broke the restrictions now being rewarded by being allowed to eat indoors? Were the likes of me who stayed at home and kept everybody around me safe by not picking up COVID-19 were now going to be punished? I don't understand the government nowadays. And that's that's a really good, uh, valid point because because they're, they're... Besides people who have been fully vaccinated, the only other group that will be allowed, according to to what we heard yesterday, are people who had COVID in the past nine months. And a number of young people aged between 18 and 24, which, by the way, are the highest number of cases at the moment, are, as this listener said, getting it because they broke the rules and they are going to be rewarded for it. Does seem unfair, I have to say, does seem unfair to those young people who did abide by all of the restrictions, kept themselves safe and made sure that they didn't pick up coronavirus. Bill says, did anybody notice Eamon Rhyme 
the Green Party leader, wiping his glasses with his face mask. Surely that's not right, says Bill. I didn't see it. Did anybody else? I was obviously at the press conference uh, yesterday. Hi, Patricia. The Daily Mail have confirmed this morning that UK ministers have shelled plans for COVID vaccine certs for mass gatherings in pubs and restaurants. They have advised that the UK is just going to treat it now as the flu, as cases are rising, but hospital and death, death figures are not. John says, Patricia, we said it at Christmas time. The government is a joke. They need to stand together. We all need to stand together and get them out. John reckons it's time to bring on a general election. We can all go out and vote because the majority of us are vaccinated at this stage, says John. Well, the majority of people who traditionally go out and vote are vaccinated. Somebody else says last month COVID dropped to the 24th leading cause of death in England. It was according to a piece in the Irish Examiner uh, this month. People need to seriously wake up businesses need to reopen. Uh, and then someone else says when we're talking about these COVID va- vaccine passes. Somebody says it is the vaccine we need, not the passes. Get, get it out to us, uh, please. So many people frustrated waiting on their second shot. And here's a lovely positive one to end on to say in this bunch of texts in this. Hi Trish, I'm wondering what is so wrong with people's homes that they can't wait to get away from them? Your home should be your sanctuary, your safe place from the world. We should be more uh, and my text, just as I was reading out that lovely text, decides to disappear on me here. I'm back with it. We should be more grateful. A lot of people have no home or no chance of even getting one. If you're lucky enough to have a safe, comfortable home, we should be thankful and happy to stay there. It's not forever. If you spend your time making your home just as you like it, you will treasure it more. Stop striving for what isn't possible at the moment. Just be content with what you have and happiness will follow and freedom will come. And it will come eventually. Thank you for that to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Ground workers, labourers and machine drivers are all wanted for concrete work that's in Cork City and County. Experienced bar person is wanted for immediate start. That's in Mallow. You need to have at least two years experience. You also need to have fluent English. Home Care Direct, they're looking for home helps to work in the North Cork area. And a chef de partie is wanted for O'Callaghan's Cafe and Delhi. That's in Mitchellstown. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. For a certain proportion of people, summer 2021 has finally begun because this week, this return to our screens. Self-confessed Love Island fan and host of the Bandwagons podcast, Fanula Jones, joins me to review what has happened so far. Good morning to you, Fanula. Morning, Patricia. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Do you almost get excited when you hear the intro music play? Oh, I get like vibrations inside of my brain and my heart. It's definitely not okay. I think I need to go to the doctor about it, to be quite honest. <laughs> now, there was no Love Island last year, obviously, due to uh, COVID-19. Do you think that has added to the excitement of this year's summer, ser- summer ser- series? I think so. I think there was a bit of a lethargy, even amongst like the biggest of fans. I think with the last format running in the winter, I just don't think it fully worked. 
Um, and obviously we're into Series 7 now. I think it's always good with shows like this to kind of, you know, take a step back and maybe assess the format. So I'm kind of hoping the year off has kind of allowed the producers and the team to maybe do that. But also, I think, to be honest, it's just the perfect escapism and absolutely what we need right now, given everything that's going on in the world, to be honest. Even though said, I have to say a little bit of jealousy watching them by the pool and watching them being able to sunbathe. <laughs> I was the exact same. I was talking to my housemates. I was like, what would you pay to just go in for an hour and just have that sun on your face? Like, honestly, I would go to the end of the earth. The end of the earth. Yeah, because I think in previous years when we watched it, you you were either just back from holiday or you had a holiday coming up and you were thinking, oh, in a few weeks' time, that'll be me. That'll be me. And, yeah. we, and we all imagine that we look just like those girls in the bikinis and the boys look <laughs> just like those guys when we're lying, lying by the boat. Now, I suppose for those who are unaware of Love Island or for those people who've never seen it before, how would you best describe Love Island? Oh, honestly, it's like chewing gum for the brain. It's just, it's reality TV, but it's so far removed from reality that it's just beyond all words. Um, like a dating show on steroids. And um, basically, they all go off to this villa in Mallorca for eight weeks, and they're tasked with finding someone to couple up with. Um, and they hope they make it to the end uh, to be in with the chance of winning a big fat cash prize, essentially. But they always market it as, it's a search for love rather than money, but I mean, I, I doubt some of their intentions, to be honest. Is it a search for fame? Oh, I do think it is. I think especially with um, how big of a show it's gotten. I think with the first kind of three series, it was still so new. It was a new format for ITV2. It wasn't even really pulling in a huge amount of viewers. And then I think f- from series three on, and to be honest, I think with the continued explosion of social media, it's just become this insane platform for people to become like influencers, TV presenters. They go on to do other reality TV shows. Like there's no doubt about it. Even the people who tend to go out in the first week, obviously they end up amassing like huge followings on social media and they can make careers from there. And for the rest of us watching it, and I do think this year more than any other year, it's just such a great distraction. And it is one of those things, the water cooler moment, certainly here now at work, we don't have as many people, unfortunately, in the building anymore. But it becomes a thing that everybody talks about. Totally. It's one of those kind of last remaining TV shows, I think, with kind of streaming being introduced where... It's an event, you know what I mean? Everyone's sitting down at 9pm and watching it. And to be honest, even if you're watching it, grudging me, this is the thing I always say, you always leave with an opinion. Even if you didn't want to watch it at all, you watch the scenarios and you go away and you're like, I can't believe Chloe said that or is getting with this one. It's just, the conversations it brings up, honestly, I really feel like people underestimated as a show with regards to that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I was even I was even talking about this a few years ago. I remember being in a, a department store in the city looking at clothes and there were these two other girls talking about something that had happened the night before and I straight away jumped in and said, sorry, gave my opinion. And then this woman on the other <laughs> side jumped in and said, well, I didn't agree with that, I thought. And suddenly here were these four random strangers and we were all discussing all. And I remember thinking, God, you know what, if nothing else, it gets us all talking um, for sure. <laughs> and we've got, and, and of course, when, when you look back at previous years, Maura, Irish Maura, I mean, she was the jewel in the crown, wasn't she, two years ago? Totally. Like, I mean, I think she's in the top three kind of most popular contestants ever, like really shook up that series. I mean, she's just, she's in a league of her own. You know what I mean? When you reflect back on 
any of the past contestants. No one had as many one-liners. She was just had such a refreshing attitude, especially for a show like that where it had become maybe a little bit predictable at that point. Um, I'm kind of hoping we might get a few more Irish in this year. I'd love a good Cork gal. Not myself. I can't go in. This is me confirming I'm not going in. But um, I'd love that. Give me the Cork representation, please. <laughs> I, I, I have, had you ever thought about it? Was it ever something on your bucket oh, list? Oh, very, very regularly. Like, I've talked about it before. Like, me and my boy, I said it to my boyfriend. I was like, look, why don't we pretend to break up? I'll go in. I know the show inside out. I'll win it. And, like, we'll have a mortgage. We'll be sorted. Now, he wasn't that keen. So, hence why I'm still talking about it. I'm not in there. But maybe one of these days. Who knows? The housing market is still not looking great. And, of course, the other Irish connection is the host, Laura Whitmore. Yes. Oh, she's doing a great job. And the style and everything she brings. She's just, I think that's the thing. She was such a super fan of the show herself. Um, I think it really translates well and just, oh, it's just such a, such a relief and such a nice feeling to see it back on our screens, I think, and to see her back where she belongs by the pool, talking to people in bikinis. And for people, because we've only, it only started on Monday, so there's only been two episodes, and last night, of course, ended on the, the cliffhanger with Chloe recoupling. Are you, mm-hmm. are you seeing what's broken in the last hour? Oh, I haven't. What happened? Aha, in the last hour, one islander has left the villa after oh. the after the. That's what the gasps were. Uh, Chloe has recoupled, and the female islander who was single was immediately dumped from the oh villa. Oh my that's god! Cru- drama. Now, no, no name yet, but that's a cruel twist to do oh, after only forty-eight oh hours to go all that way. Only forty-eight hours. Now, what? Any of the contestants in particular standing out for you at the moment, Fanula? Any, I think Brad looks like a bit of a chaos merchant. Like, he's very kind of coolly, quietly confident. So I feel like he could either be, like, the hottest property in the villa in terms of people wanting to couple up with him, or he could have a bit of a villain streak. I don't know. Um, and then in terms of girls, I really like Liberty. I think she comes across very well. The blonde and then girl. Faye, yes. And then Faye seems like an absolute firecracker. Like, she really seemed, like, kind of threatened by Chloe and the new arrival and about potentially taking her man so who knows I do I do think she'll bring the drama though and that girl Sharon I think has the best resting bitch face I've <laughs> ever seen the minute she is like oh god yeah it's just it's just but there, there will be so many twists and turns now and it's eight weeks again they've committed to eight weeks yeah eight weeks of fun in the sun <laughs> now somebody wants to know what does Fanula say to people who are critical of the show because of the body images everybody having to look a certain way Oh, totally. Like, I've been very vocal about that, and I mean, especially this year, because they kind of made a promise about it being the most diverse series ever, and, I mean, it's it's evident it's not. You know what I mean? It's still very straight size, and um, predominantly white. I think there was a lot of fanfare about Johanna being the first of uh, Islander with a physical disability, and I mean, yes, of course, that's to be applauded, but at the same time, it's kind of all seems to be lip service. It's it's hard because I do believe representation is very important. Um, I'm obviously still a huge fan of the show um, and I do kind of look at it as not really representative of real life and I don't look at Love Island to be my moral compass or anything like that. But it is it is difficult and I do think like if they if they don't have more diverse contestants waiting in the wings then like what are they doing and what are they saying? You know, I just, maybe next series as well I really think they will actively have to shake things up because I think the the criticisms are just getting louder and louder when it comes to diversity across the board. Yeah, because they they had spoken about the LGBT community and that they were going to be 
very much included. This is the thing. They rolled out this whole campaign uh, with Tinder, the dating app, where they were looking to recruit LGBTQ plus uh, contestants for the kind of the first time ever, officially. Um, and then they came out maybe a month before it aired and said that basically they couldn't do it because of logistical issues. Which, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that there isn't logistical issues if you're to look at the traditional format. But other reality TV shows have done it before. There was a, a show on MTV, it's called Are You The One? And it's kind of a similar enough format. You go in and um, you're paired up or you have to try and find your perfect match, basically, in there. And they did a series where all the contestants were bisexual or sexually fluid. And it was chaos, the most entertaining thing ever. So I'm not really sure why Love Island can't do something similar to that. Mm, maybe the people who apply just weren't hot enough for Love Island. <laughs> That's a definite possibility, unfortunately. Uh, and we can expect Casa Moore, where they where they take either all the girls or all the boys and bring them off to another villa and expose them to more hotties. And that's where the fun really starts. Yeah, I think there were some rumours initially that they weren't bringing that back. But uh, oh. no, uh, rest easy, they are. And I cannot wait. Chaos, absolute chaos. Okay. That's your summer sorted anyway, Fanula. <laughs> Listen, we'll check in with you again, if you don't mind, throughout the summer and uh, enjoy. And, uh, thanks. Oh, thanks a million, and, and listen, Well, thank you for joining us. And that was Fanula Jones, uh, who is host of the Bandwagons podcast. Our lines are open 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, earlier in the week, I spoke with Aileen Hickey of Parentline, who said, they were inundated with calls from parents all over the country who can't access spaces on summer camps this year. So to chat about a summer classes uh, with a little bit of a twist, I'm joined by Mike Morgan, who will be running dramedy classes in the youth centre in uh, Mallow. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, uh, very good. And clever there, what you did with that dramedy. Yes. Uh, clever, yes. clever. <laughs> now, you will be well known uh, as, as a comedian. Uh, so tell me about these classes. You're running them with your girlfriend, Jessica. Yeah. Me and my girlfriend, Jessica, who's uh, Jessica's uh, English and drama teacher, and I'm a comedian, so I, we've nearly everything covered between the two of us. Um, so we were going to do it before the pandemic um, up in Cork City. We were going to do a kids' classes for comedy because uh, we both wanted to do it and we both get on with kids. And I, I coach kids soccer there years ago and it's something I really enjoyed. And Jessica's a teacher, so she really enjoys it as well. So it's something we wanted to do and we were going to do before the pandemic. And um, obviously everything came to a standstill. But uh, now that we see things happening again, we said we'd give it a go in Mallow and if, see if anybody is interested in doing drama and comedy classes and something that I think when I was a kid I would have loved to have gone to. And you've completely designed the classes from scratch, the two of you yeah. yourselves. So well yeah, done. We, well, well done. Yeah, we, we kind of turned it on its head a small bit because, um, like... I, I just just to let the kids be as creative as they can, to let them uh, come out of their shell if they're shy, like figure out um, what 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 the kids like, you know. Like so, we we made a, a program, and it's it's basically there's no wrong answers. Dress up as you like, because in school I feel we're conditioned. Once we go to school, you're told what to think, and no messing and no this. It, 
in fairness, in Irish people, does, we're all messers. We're all, there's all a bit of clown in all of us. So it's just bringing that clown out in you, basically, like, you know, the bit of messing and the bit of silliness, basically, like, you know. So I, I can straight away see how the very confident child would love yes. to sign up for something like this. But you, you, you're very aware of that quieter, shyer yes. child. And they're, pro- they're probably the ones that will get the most out of a class like this. And that's it. We're, we're keeping the numbers of the classes very small for that exact reason, because there's no point to someone that wants to be a Hollywood actor coming in, stealing the limelight for an hour. We're keeping the classes small so we can have one-on-one times with the kids and figuring out why they're here, because even the messages we've got from adults is like, oh, my kid wants to be a comedian, my kid wants to be an actor, my kid's just a bit shy. So everybody's coming in with a different goal. So I want to keep the classes small in, an, in order to, for them, those kids to achieve that goal, whether it be small, medium, large, whatever it is, and we can help them with it. And is it very much about building self-esteem and self-confidence? Yes, yeah. self-esteem, self-confidence, stuff, stuff that you wouldn't uh, normally get in school, like, like the little things, um, just talking with friends, how to talk to people, messing, um, just loads of things. We, we, we've joke writing, we've a magician book to come in to teach us a few tricks, I have a green screen they can mess with and, and learn how to edit, just like all, all the all, all the areas of showbiz that you might like to get into that's not just drama and not just comedy it's everything basically like, you yeah, know? and who knows they may just find and discover their niche that's and it. It, it could then become their career path going forward you, 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 you never know that's it and like even when I was small like I, a comedian is not something I thought that you could really be if you were Irish like I knew there was one or two but you know and as I got older there's a whole world out there for kids and, and teenagers to just express themselves like even during the pandemic myself during TikTok like I can't do stand-up comedy so I express myself through TikTok and, and other social things like but there's lots of, lots of um, opportunities out there for Irish kids and teenagers uh, to get into this world of acting and comedy and even behind the scenes cameramen everything like that there's so much to it that we just don't get exposed to from an early age and I'd like to expose them to that very early like Yeah TikTok is particularly with the children is really bringing out that very creative side in children, isn't it? It, it is really, because it's really short and snappy and, you know, it, 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 it's get to the point and be as quick as you can. So, yeah, it's very good. Compared to back in our day, we'd watch a three-hour comedy, but now kids are just into 30-second comedy clips and on to the next mo- one, you know what I mean? What, yeah. were, you, were you a very confident child? Um, even, yeah, I suppose, confident in, in ways, I suppose, confident in ways. I wouldn't have been confident, let's say, to go... Like little things like reading in class and sp- stuff like that, I wouldn't have been confident to do. But like, um, I would have come out of my shell later in life. Like, but um, no, no, I would have been, I, I would have been confident. I would have been, um, uh, how, how could I say it? Um, yeah, like speaking in public wouldn't have been a big deal to me. Where it's my friends and my girlfriend and all that there is. Like when me and go- my girlfriend have to have to do something, it's usually she wants me to talk or do it in public because I, I, I like crave the attention she says and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, so it's a bit of both. Je- my girlfriend Jess definitely knows what it's like to be shy and coming out of a shell and I know what it's like to be hogging all the attention of a room for two hours. Yeah, so. you've, you've got to get that balance. You've got to get that balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're okay. perfect for each other. Okay, yeah. so, so, so you're running these classes. They're, they're one-hour classes. Yes. Uh, now, will the You'll have to buy by COVID restrictions, will you? Or, or do we you? will. Yeah. Uh, of course, yeah. At the start, we're only uh, allowing 10 per class uh, due to COVID. That's, uh, that's all we're allowed is 10 per class. We will only be keeping it between 12 and 14 when COVID's over anyway because we want to keep the classes small. So, yeah, it's a one-hour class. Um, it's, it's 10 people for classes. Our first few classes are booked up now, unfortunately, but we have a waiting list that is nearly full. So we've ha- we'll have new classes, new dates starting in the next week or two. Brilliant. So if anybody wants to sign up, 
Um, you can go to Mike Morgan Comedy uh, on Facebook or Instagram, message that, or Mike Morgan Comedy at Gmail, and message that, and we'll put your child on the waiting list. The age groups are between 5 and 8, and 9 and 12. Um, oh, you're, so, doing, you're doing it as young as the 5 to 8-year-olds will be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're already excited about it now to come in now tomorrow and all that kind of stuff. So, it's, yeah, it starts tomorrow. So, yeah, we're trying to keep the youngest a small bit away from the bit of the older people that might, might want to do... You know, exactly. Everybody has different goals, so yeah. we want to achieve all those goals as well. You and know? B- boys and girls? Boys and girls. And I was very nervous that I would get very little boys, but I would say it's 60% boys, which I'm absolutely delighted about, because certainly back in my day, it was a thing where I wouldn't go to drama because what the boys think. That's what I'd be like. I, yeah. I, in, in my heart, I wanted to go to drama, but I was afraid of what the boys would think, and that's the God's, God's honest truth, like where the boys don't even care. Like, you know, but that's like, brilliant. That's what I was thinking. But like, and then... The messages we're getting, oh, he wants to be a comedian, he wants to do this, and, like, it's just brilliant. It's, it's, it makes me so happy that, that more guys from the town, because girls always gave a great number for the dramas inside in, in Cork, in fairness, and, and I remember when my little brother went to drama, he quit because there was no boys at it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, so I'm delighted anyway, we've that started, and it's nearly 50-50, there's loads of girls, loads of boys, and uh, yeah, brilliant. And brilliant. I saw, I mean, one of the things that, one of the activities that you're going to get engaged with is, is joke writing. I mean, is, is there, is there, how do you write a good joke? Uh, it's, well, I, I, I have this random thing, it's called, we, we've this called Wheel of Misfortune, where I have a wheel where there's a thousand different topics in it, and uh, you have to write a joke of whatever comes out. So that makes you write a joke about something maybe you wouldn't want to write a joke about, but it kind of, it gets the juices flowing, you might have to write, okay, you're a guard at a checkpoint, go, like, write a joke about it, 30 seconds. He mightn't want to write it, but look, he's to come up with something, so that gets the juices flowing. And then afterwards, then we'll find out what he finds funny. What do you like? Is there something? Is there some? Is there some show you like? What is there accents? Do you like accents? Do you like like? And we'll figure that out with him and write and design a show or a, a little five minute piece that he can work on. And at the end of the year, we're going to have the parents come in and we're going to have a show for him, well a done. sketch comedy show, well so done. that they can see the the development with the kids. So these classes will they run right throughout the summer months, July yeah. and August? Every Thursday for the summer, uh, the Thursday slots from 11 till 2 are booked up now. Um, but we do have a waiting list that is very close to being filled up. And we'll be doing that later on a Thursday as well. So they'll be okay, going on yeah, a, 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 yeah, every Thursday for the summer. Okay, and, there, and there's, as we said, they, they are one uh, hour long. Your stand-up comedian, your work, I mean, you, you, you're a full-time comedian. Oh, uh, you haven't yeah. worked, obviously, for the no, last no, year and a half. Completely evaporated. Yeah, I, I, and you know what, Patricia, I, I was on an absolute roll last time I was speaking to you. It was right before my show in Mallow. Yeah. And sure, we had 250 people at us. The next two months then, I went away and I won a competition called Show Me the Funny up in Galway, which meant I, I got to perform at Electric Picnic and I got the All-Ireland title of being a stand-up comedian, which is unreal. Then I went to Manchester. I won a competition in the comedy store in Manchester. So I, I, I got a spot in that as well. So And my two comedy clubs were sold out every week. That was all happening. And then, boom, it's all gone. All taken away. Start from the start now again. Um, but I'm excited. I have the hunger in my belly about it. Like I, I like it. Does, I've been doing things during the pandemic that I wouldn't normally do. Um, like like the TikToks, the Facebooks, this even. Um, this, this class for the kids yeah, something that yeah. I'm really passionate about. I'm trying to get all the boxes ticked before I go back um, to stand-up. I, I love stand-up so much, I can't wait till it comes back. It, it's, um, I, I was actually on a roll. I was on a, an absolute roll, and I was taken away. But um, 
I they think say, everybody... They say it's the toughest job in the world. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm mean, i assuming there's... Was there a time where you went up and you died a death on the stage? Or people? Just... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Plenty of times. Plenty of times. Yeah, at the start. Yeah, yeah. Big times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I... I'd say, no, if you, like, you get comfortable in it, Patricia, if, if that makes any sense. Like, I think anybody who's not a comedian is like, oh, my God, what if you die on stage and no one left? When that happens to you the first time, you're kind of like, okay, that's the worst thing that can happen. I'm not dead. <laughs> Nothing bad happened. It was just a bad joke. I tried to make him laugh. It didn't happen. Why didn't it happen? Go home, back to the lab, back to the drawing board, work it out. It's a, yeah, and, and then try to make sure it never happens again. But, of course, <laughs> it will. You'll have your bad nights, but you, you have to make sure that it's 99% applause and laughter all the time like you know but um, no it's not as bad as people think that's the one question people give what's it like to die it's not that bad at all you're still alive after and and hecklers do you welcome hecklers I I don't welcome them but I (laughs) (laughs) no I uh, back in the day when I had the comedy club the two comedy clubs up in Cork we uh, we used to have a saying the, the, the last seat to be filled is the guy on the front row the front seat at the front row but if you see a guy go to that seat on purpose straight away you know. know you're in trouble because he's a heckler. He wants to be involved in the whole show. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've gotten loads of hecklers. Basically, you just got to kind of leave both of them with a bit of respect because I'm kind of like a happy-go-lucky guy on stage. Yeah, I can't yeah. be snapping at hecklers and going, oh, this is my... I'm yeah. doing my dreams up here. I can't be like that. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We just have a laugh about it. But yeah, yeah uh, I'll, you're, I'll not, it again. you're not Mike Morgan. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah, okay, exactly, and, and, yeah. and the good news, you know, we're trying to find good news out of the changes to the COVID restrictions that were announced yesterday. I mean, the number of outdoor events has started to increase. So we're, we're slowly getting there. That's it, yeah. And, you know, I was, even the little things we're allowed to do, everybody's doing them. Like, I, I've been to the cinema three times in the last week, and uh, I, I didn't want to see anything, but look, I went to, I went to the cinema three times just because it's open, you know, that kind of way. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, no, it's, it's, no, it's looking better on a couple of outdoor things, and um, I've actually a couple of weddings, I'm hosting a couple of weddings as well uh, at the end of next month as well, which is something different as well, so... You're, yeah, ho- yeah, so you're hosting weddings? Hosting, I have two weddings, I've one I'm emceeing a wedding, and one I'm just hosting it, just basically... I, 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 do you know what? I have to talk to the best man about it, but I, I haven't got all the details. <laughs> yeah, hosting a wedding, yeah. Because oh, I, so, I know, yeah. I, it, it, whether, now it'll be interesting to see, will it become a new phenomenon here in Ireland? Uh, in Australia, you always have an MC or a host at a wedding yeah. and they introduce all of the, the different speakers. It's like, it's not something that we traditionally have done here, but I wonder, is it creeping in? Is, is I think it is. In the last, in the last maybe two or three weddings I've been to know, there's a couple of those old, old-fashioned um old-fashioned things we used to do kind of creeping out of it and uh, a couple of new quirky things coming in. So I'd say, yeah, big time, because it, it, it was all the same before. You know, we, we all go to the church, we all get the priest, we all go here and we all go home. No, I've, I've been to three very different weddings in the last two or three years, you know, that kind of way. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say it, yeah, it, times are changing, big yeah, time. Yeah, and you don't slag off the bride or anything, no? Oh God, no, no, but the, the, the bridesmaid gets an awful doing, the bridesmaid gets an awful doing, and the, and the best man gets an awful doing, is it? <laughs> you, have been, you have been warned, you have been, you have warned. been warned. yeah. Listen, Mike, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure uh, to speak with you. Mike Morgan Comedy at gmail.com if people want to uh, contact you. Uh, good luck with the classes and good luck to all the kids taking part. I think it's a, it's a fantastic initiative we wish you and Jessica luck with it. And thanks for joining us on the programme today.
Thank you, Patricia. Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Mike Morgan, comedian. A text in from a listener saying, hi to all. Could you find out for me, please? Are christenings going ahead? Thanks a million. I I simply don't know. Christenings have now started to be mentioned because of Leo Varadkar. When Leo Varadkar was, they were wrapping up the press conference that was held after the announcement was made by the Taoiseach Michal Martin when he addressed the nation. He then went into a press conference where he was there, the Taoiseach, the Taunish, the Leo Varadkar and the leader of the Green Party, Eamon Ryan, and they were fielding questions and the bulk of the questions, I think, yesterday were to do with how this COVID cert to allow vaccinated people to get into restaurants, the bulk of the talk seemed to be about, about that, even though Michal Martin, Leo Varadkar and Eamon Ryan, none of them could answer because they actually don't know how that COVID certificate is going to work. And it seems as Leo Varadkar, as they were wrapping it up, somebody said to Leo Varadkar, what about the celebration of First Holy Communion and Confirmation this summer are they going ahead and it was a complete off the cuff remark he simply just said as he kind of was walking away from the podium where the press conference was he said they're off unfortunately and that was it and it has left everybody in a little bit of limbo including all of the various dioceses and the bishops of all of the various dioceses and they're all scrambling now because they have priests who have both communion confirmation and baptisms arranged because people are saying if communions and confirmations are cancelled then you assume that baptisms are cancelled as well so what I'm saying to anyone who's listening that has either a first holy communion or a confirmation or a baptism arranged in certainly in the coming week or two is to with the, the christening I will be making contact with your the priest doing the christening just to see is he going ahead or not because it does seem that some priests themselves have decided a kind of a decision made within the parish because all the work has been put in particularly for community confirmations that they're going to go ahead but we're still I know the, 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 the various bishops are still waiting on official clarif- clarification from the government so I would say to you check in with the priest who's doing the christening 1850 333 103 and with this beautiful fine summer weather that we're having at the moment I imagine lots of people are spending time in the garden if you've got a gardening question get it in for Peter please Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to cmig.ie you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed let me take a look at some of your calls and comments coming into the programme. Patricia, on the coronavirus and Neffet's projected deaths, I think the higher expected death rates are because of the large proportion of over 60s who still won't be fully vaccinated through July. Even if the HSE managed to vaccinate everybody in that age group by July 19th and that's what they're saying they're doing and that's what Paul Reid has been constantly saying that they will do. Remember, says Dan, who sent in this text, it then takes two weeks for immunity to fully kick in. So this group will not be fully safe until uh, August which is which is a good point and actually at one stage when AstraZeneca first came out they said it was a month after it would be four weeks after your second dose before you're deemed fully vaccinated but they have changed that now to two weeks but, but Dan is right that even if you got your final second dose on the 19th of July you would be two weeks which would bring you into uh, August so there there is that as well and I can and I know uh, some people who are waiting on their second dose seeing texts and whatsapps coming in from people saying that they're, they've finally got a date others are still waiting how long are we going to be waiting it seems to be around the eight week mark certainly anyone that's contacted us and when we're asking them when did they get their first dose 
it's about eight, nine weeks ago. So just take a look on your calendar. When did you get your first dose of AstraZeneca? And you can work it from there because they seem to have enough AstraZeneca. It's just to get the slots in all the vaccination centres and to, and to get uh, people in. And actually talking on, on second shots and AstraZeneca, Marsha, my daughter, and she would have got it um, being special needs and she would have come in under, I think it was cohort seven she came in under it. But she got her first vaccine. It was what was right back in March, I think, at this stage. It would have been 13 weeks ago yesterday she got her first dose and she's getting her second one this afternoon. So uh, fingers crossed that she'll be OK because she was one of the unlucky ones who was very unwell with the side effects. Now, they didn't last long, but she she spiked a really high temperature and bless her little soul. She f- just felt really unwell and the way she was wincing. I think she had a very bad headache with it as well. Now, the Panadol worked and all of that and we kept her in, in. She stayed in bed. She's a great little patient. She stayed in bed for a couple of days and then perfect within 48 hours, bounced back and was absolutely fantastic. And the relief of knowing that she was on the vaccination journey was just fantastic for us as her parents I can tell you so she gets her second jab this afternoon so fingers crossed that all will go well for her but just to let other people know that certainly yeah appointments are going out to people waiting on their second dose of AstraZeneca but Dan uh, is right it could be one of the reasons as well that Neffet is saying we need to hold off on this because that, that 60 to 69 age group they want to get everybody vac- everyone in that group vaccinated and then they'll need the two weeks to be deemed fully vaccinated and actually Mary and Mary were John Paul I, I've asked John Paul to look into this and I'll see if I can do some work this afternoon on it. Mary said that she heard on the BBC this morning that if you've had AstraZeneca which by the way for people in the UK the only two the main two that they're I think it's the only two that they're using is AstraZeneca and uh, Pfizer huge proportion of the United Kingdom have received the AstraZeneca vaccine Mary has heard that it won't be accepted for travel to America and we're trying to check in and find out where that is coming from the BBC I know from Irish people's uh, point of view we're still on the no-go list for America well I, I know up to when I heard somebody talk about this uh, yesterday somebody was trying to get to see their grand grandchildren fully, the person's fully vaccinated but they want to go to America to see their grandchildren. But we're on the list because we went on the list of no-go areas for travel into America back in January and February when things were really bad in this country and most countries around the world were saying that you were, if you were coming from Ireland you weren't welcome because we had so much coronavirus in this country at the time. But when you look at our figures now and how well we're doing now and you add to that the number of people that are fully vaccinated and I don't know whether the Americans are going to look at that again but I certainly haven't heard that about any particular vaccine but I will look into it Mary and if we can get an update on it I certainly will. There are questions for Peter. Thank you for those. We will get back to those in a couple of minutes. Somebody else says they were not open for all of us at Christmas last year. We stayed in. We didn't go uh, anywhere. I wonder if nobody took the vaccine. Would we all? Would we all be end up locked inside our doors and nobody would go anywhere? I need to go on holidays, but I'm not going to go on holidays in Ireland uh, because of no indoor dining. If they don't open up indoor dining, uh, I'll be going abroad. And that's one of the points actually that when we mentioned this earlier. If because we know international travel, if you've got your COVID passport and all of that kicks in on the 19th, or you can get a PCR test. And once you haven't got COVID-19, you will be able to travel. And I wonder if we are slow to open up indoor dining. That's one of the arguments now that's been pushed forward. Will it force more people to think about going on a plane and 
going abroad because when you're on holidays that's all part of going on holidays isn't it it's it's eating out and having nice lunches and having nice meals and listen all well and good that we do it in this country if the sun was shining but you know we know when I was speaking uh, with Mike Ryan of the Restaurant Association that's one of the points he's doing the outdoor dining but he's got to check the weather forecast every day and to see is it going to be okay we've a wonderful week this week and it's terrific but already there's some showers uh, forecast for parts of Cork later on this afternoon you know if you're about to sit down and have a meal and the heavens opens on top of you it's not, it's not a very pleasant way uh, to have a meal so and if you're, if you're on your holidays you know you want to be eating out all the time so I wonder will that force will people stop and think no I'm not going to holiday here in Ireland because I can't be guaranteed that I'll be able to have all my meals in a comfortable way to pick a restaurant and be able to sit down and go in and have a meal so I don't know there's one listener certainly saying that they are thinking of reviewing it and looking to go abroad instead and then Eileen Infomoy was on his son lives and works in Dublin he's in the constituency of Dublin Bay South you know the constituency where there's a by-election happening so they're all posters are out and they're out canvassing and they're knocking on doors last night his son her son was at home and she, she, he, the son said all of the main political parties were canvassing in his area. Now, Eileen's son works in a bar. He is an assistant manager of a bar. Obviously, his hours have been completely cut and curtailed. Uh, they are the, the bar he works in is open, but just for outdoor drinks. So he doesn't, he's not doing his full 40 hour, hour a week. And because of that, his pay has been reduced. So yesterday, he was, wasn't working yesterday evening at home. Knock on the door. Four separate knocks on the door. He said, the first group of people came all smiling, asking, will you remember us for the vote? The usual, what you get when they're canvassing at uh, the door. They then, then all left. Eileen's son's house went off to the neighbour smiling again and uh, her son reminded them of the low pay he's on and that his hours have uh, been uh, cut and they listened to his concerns and all the rest and he was pointing out look he still has to pay rent regardless of the situation he's uh, in. Second group arrived and he said he tried to be as happy as smiley as he could and he said he just he rang his mother just can't take this anymore he said the last two gangs that knocked on the door he didn't even bother opening the door but Eileen said she couldn't get over talking to him on the phone last night how down he is and she said he's the type of guy who's he's a happy-go-lucky type of person and she said it, she really felt that it was getting to him that they were out canvassing and here were the people who were telling him that his bar you know he was of the belief that his bar was going to reopen fully on a Monday it just, it just really really got to him and I think that's summing up how a lot of people who are working in the industry would have been feeling yesterday their hopes were all raised to be back to full time work and full time work means full pay packet coming in to pay for all of the bills and God knows if you're living in Dublin paying a rent or paying mortgage is a huge huge proportion of how much you actually earn Eileen I hope uh, thanks for that and I hope your son manages to pick himself up and it won't be too long until he's back with his full hours again Margaret in in Shannon says can they not operate oh this is interesting Margaret how do people think of this Margaret says could they not operate two sections indoors you'd have a vaccinated area and then you'd have a non-vaccinated area so when you go in for your meal the vaccinated people please go to the right the non-vaccinated people please go to the left and then if you were with somebody that was unvaccinated it would be your choice if you wanted to sit with the the great unwashed and the unvaccinated you could sit there instead Margaret said a little bit like the smoking areas you know 
smokers have to go out to the smoking area and a lot of non-smokers will go out with a person particularly if there's only two of you on your own and one is a smoker and one isn't and if you don't want to sit on your own how many times have you been in that situation you go out to the smoking area with the smoker uh, just for the company's sake or whatever how would people feel about that if they allowed restaurants to open but you would clearly divide it down the middle the unvaccinated all sit together and the vaccinated sit in another area how would people feel about that 1850-333-103 and then Gemma is talking about the outdoor dining that's going on at the moment and what she can't understand is the amount of restaurants that have erected marquees you know, in their car parks or maybe in their beer garden areas. Now I can, I can understand why they're doing it because it gives some kind of coverage from that rain I was talking about a couple of minutes ago. But Gemma says she's been looking at some of the marquees and she said, you know, technically they're walls. Some of them, she said, yeah, they'll have the opening and they might even have two sides open. But if it's a very windy, rainy night, they'll close off the sides. And she said... Technically, there's, it's a feel when you're inside in some of these marquees that you're actually inside. And then she said what adds, she's obviously been in a few of them, she said what adds to her concerns is as the night goes on, they put on heaters, obviously, because they can get quite uh, chilly. And she said, you can see it's creating condensation. And she's been in some of these marquees and she's fearful. Is it not just spreading? If there is any viruses in the air, will it not just be spreading it? She said, looking at it, she said, would they not be just better off leaving people back in to dine indoors but leave all the doors and windows uh, open instead and good ventilation. And ventilation is something, Gemma, that has been spoken about, but there hasn't been much rules and regulations around when we get back indoors about proper ventilation because it's been proven that if you have good ventilation and if, God forbid, somebody comes in who is spreading COVID-19, good ventilation really, really does help. And that's the reason why we're encouraged to do everything outside. Because if there is any viruses there, the thing is that they blow away and they're not hovering around as they would be indoors. So ventilation does seem to be the key. As others notice that, not feeling that comfortable inside in some of the marquees that have been been erected by some of the businesses. Pat in Formoy says we either open up with vaccine passes or else we don't open up at all. Also with the European pass, this is the COVID certificate that's coming in for travel. That's due to come in on July the 19th. If we're struggling to come up with our own COVID pass to allow people into restaurants, why can't we simply use that one, says Pat. And I imagine that's one of the things that's been discussed and looked at this morning in the hollowed walls of the government buildings and the civil servants. I'm assuming they're going to look at the European the digital certificate to see is there any way if people who are vaccinated already have that on a smartphone, can that be incorporated into the reopening of indoor dining? Orla in Mitchellstown says, I happen to think in this instance, what was announced yesterday is the correct decision and the correct decision has been made on the recommendations from NEFET and the correct decision has been made by the government. Think back to the opening at Christmas. As a result, we have had restrictions since another few weeks and the vaccination will have been given to many of our young people. Plus, the 60 to 69 year olds will be fully covered. The Delta variant is deadly. It is highly transmissible. We've got this far. Let's have a little bit more patience and please God, it will ultimately save a lot more lives. Thank you for that. That's Orla in uh, Mitchellstown. And Stephen said, why did Neffet leave it so late in the day to announce these doomsday scenario figures, the figures that they gave to the government on Monday night? If the government had had a little bit more notice, 
then they could have informed the hospitality industry what the figures could possibly look like. Instead, they frightened the life and it's almost like they're scaremongering and they frightened the life out of the whole country. I think Neffet will be under serious pressure to explain where and how they arrived at these figures. I think we have to learn to live with COVID at this stage and certainly what's coming from Neffet and what's coming from the government is nothing to do with uh, living with COVID. And just a final one, Joan in Formoy said Verona Murphy, the Wexford uh, TD, uh, Joan says, I thought she was excellent last night on Primetime. She said, a review should be carried out of the Neffert advice. I really think they did more harm than good on the not opening up of indoor dining. That's from Joan in Formoy. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. We are looking for gardening questions, please, as well, if you can get those uh, into us. And you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative. The perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. Kildallery Community Development, they'll have their weekly lotto draw. It's tomorrow, four o'clock in the afternoon, and it'll be in the community office with a jackpot of €2,200. And a raffle to raise funds for Marymount Hospice and Hospital in memory of Noreen Keller is being held on Friday the 16th of July. And the Friday the 16th of July would have been Noreen's second anniversary. Tickets are €10 each, or you can get a book of €6.50. They're available online at idonate.ie forward slash raffle floor forward slash Noreen Kelleher or by phoning 087 2632027. And the Wallace family will hold a fundraising garden event for the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day Fund at their home, which is five spittle cottages in Cloyne. They're holding it on Friday the 23rd of July from half nine in the morning until half three in the afternoon. Donations for raffle will be accepted on the day before Thursday the 22nd. For more information, you can contact the Wallace family on 021 465 And Focus Ireland have organised a Coran Tuhal hike for 2021. Now, the planned date is Sunday the 29th of August. It's a chance to raise funds for Focus Ireland and also to challenge yourself and hike to the highest peak in Ireland. But you register by going to events at focusireland.ie Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie when, when, here, when we are here complaining about the weather and how it rains in Ireland and people saying how they'd love to be going away on a summer holiday and we were talking uh, with Fanula Jones about Love Island and you're almost envious looking at all these beautiful people lying by the pool in the clear blue sky and thinking oh god we won't be doing that this year. Listen to this perspective. Hi Patricia, I lived in Spain for 12 years before moving to Mallow, Cork and indeed Ireland is a beautiful, beautiful country. The Irish weather enhances the beauty of this country. Spain and Portugal, they're orange and blue. Hot and dry. Every day is a holiday for me now here in Cork. Isn't that great? That is terrific. And that's what the rain gives us, that beautiful greenness uh, for sure. Uh, Thank you for that. Thank you for your text and thank you to a number of people who are letting 
letting me know that they are getting their second jab. My husband and I got our appointment for our second vaccine this morning. It's for next Monday, the 5th of July, and our first vaccine was the 9th of May. So about the eight week uh, mark, and that's for AstraZeneca. Thank you for that. Good luck with your injection. And there was a few others. Somebody says, Jane in Ballylicky uh, says, it'll be eight weeks exactly for me. My next uh, jab is Sunday, the 5th of July. And Jane, I check because Sunday is the 4th of July. So just double check that you turn up on the right day. But you're waiting eight weeks, which is terrific. And other people are saying similar. Hi, Patricia. Five of us are getting our vaccine in Clan next Tuesday. We've been waiting just eight weeks. We're in our 60s. We'll be immune by the 20th of July. And we've got a wedding to go to in August. Enjoy. And we know from next Monday, 50 people are now allowed to attend uh, weddings. Okay, some of your other texts in. Just listening to your piece, Patricia, about indoor dining and good ventilation. Well, there was no problem with 30 plus students in a classroom with windows and doors open and it was wet and cold outside. If schools are allowed to open in this manner, is it not possible for indoor dining to take place? If not, then surely there's a question mark over schools reopening now in September. And by the way, I'm just giving a comparison, not as a parent and not as a teacher, before people jump in and straight away say, but that was a teacher. It's not a teacher. Thank you for that. And you're right. You are right. Uh, schools and there was outbreaks in in schools but some of the schools the situations that the kids had to put up with, with and they did their best with the ventilation we heard of doors and windows have been open and classrooms being aired out etc why couldn't something similar being run with uh, indoor dining indoor dining someone else says uh, that the pubs can't and never could and won't adhere to closing time well can I rephrase that and say some because some publicans are great about adhering to uh, closed closed down. There's only one rule totally, This is that's only one rule that this listener feels is totally unenforced, trying to get pubs to close on time. Are people for real thinking that they will monitor whether people have vaccination passes or not? But they're talking about if we do get to that stage, you could have the guardie coming in and walking around saying, show me that you are vaccinated, show me your vaccination pass. I mean, there's so many things caught up in the middle of all of that that really does have to be uh, sorted out before we get anywhere near doing indoor dining for vaccinated people. OK, let's take a break and let's go to uh, Peter Dowdle who will answer all of your gardening questions next. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Group, promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. And Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com, uh, joining me for our gardening slot uh, this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. And just the weather is just lifting everybody's spirits and I can see by the amount of questions in uh, this really is a great time to be out and about in the garden isn't it? Didn't I tell you it was coming and we're we're in for six months of it. Ah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) In my world anyway. In my world anyway. And we certainly will stick with that. Let's get straight into the questions please. Uh, Kay says is it too late to sow wild flower seeds? If not where can the boxes of if, if not where can I purchase boxes of seeds? Okay, well, you're you're too late and too early, if you like. So the, the best time to sow wildflower seeds is either March, April or September, October. I'd say September would be your best times to do it. Um, I w- certainly wouldn't put any seed out, grass seed or, land, or wildflower seed or anything like that during this gorgeous weather. Uh, so w- hold off now till September. Um, you would buy wildflower seed in a blatant plug from my own store, theirishgardener.com. We do a selection uh, of native and other mixes on it uh, and most garden centers now though do do mixes of of wildflower seeds um but yeah hold off till september i'd say before sowing okay lisa says hi uh, patricia could you ask peter what is the best thing to kill ivy it's knotting around old trees and killing them and is ivy related to knotweed Okay, no, ivy isn't at all related to knotweed. I- Ilex is a plant called hedera, hedera helix, and, and knotweed is, Japanese knotweed is, is completely different. Um, the, the ivy isn't killing your tree. Even if it is growing up the tree, it's not killing it. Now, ivy is a very important plant from the biodiversity point of view. It, it feeds birds with the berries, and it, its flowers are very important for bees. However, even though it's not killing your trees, it, what it does do is it... it, it um, creates more wind resistance in the tree. So if you can imagine the crown of a deciduous tree, Trish, any immature beech tree or oak tree or any tree at all, well, nature being the wonder that nature is, those trees are designed perfectly from an aerodynamical point of view to withstand very high winds. They just go through the framework of branches. But if you start interfering with that, or if ivy starts to interfere with that, uh, so when the tree should be naked of leaves, if you like, during the winter months, it now has... Uh, quite a substantial canopy let's say of evergreen foliage from the ivy well that interferes with the design and it just leads to much more wind resistant and makes the tree much more susceptible to coming down in high winds so ivy isn't good on trees from that point of view so uh, the best thing to do in that situation really isn't to try and kill it it's just to to, to go out and cut it so you cut it uh, at the base if you like cut it at the base of the tree and what that will do is uh, everything above where you've cut obviously then will just die off now obviously bits of it if it's a very mature tree bits of it may have rooted into like crevices you know and 
old trees straight where you see crevices and bits of soil and debris have got it could be rooting in that uh, but nine times out of ten if you just cut the ivy down at the base of the tree it will die off you don't have to physically remove it Okay, apple trees. Kristen from Moy. Could you ask Peter, please? My apple tree did flower in the spring, but it hasn't produced apples. Interesting. Is it just one apple tree, does she say? Uh, Kristen, just one apple tree. Yeah, well, that's why. So with, with apple trees, you need more than one apple tree. You need at least two uh, and preferably more apple trees of a different varieties to, to, to fertilise and pollinate each other. So... Um, what happens is, and it's our old friends, the bees and, and hoverflies and other pollinating insects, they fly into the flower on one tree and they, they'll go in search of nectar and pollen and they'll get pollen all over their wings, their body and their their feet and then they'll fly into the flower of another tree and of course they'll they'll lose some of that pollen and it'll fall onto the, the flower of another tree, that's putting it very simply. And that that's how pollination happens. Uh, and with apple trees you need more than one variety to pollinate each other. It, you, you can get a bit more technical on it in that you need them from the same flowering group. So if you look at apple blossom time of the year, kind of April, May, Trish, you have in, that, that period is, is divided into three groups. So early season, mid season and late season, depending on the time of year or the time of the season that they flower. Um, so you actually need two that basically, to put it very simply, you need two that are in flower at the same time. Uh, and they should pollinate each other. It, it, that's that's a kind of a general guide. Yeah, that's yeah. why one on its own won't one on its own won't give you apples. I'm afraid. And st- stay with apple trees because Sheila in Mill Street has apple trees, and she doesn't know if they're cooking apples or eating apples. Uh, one is called L Star, and the other is called Discovery. Two people have told her they're cooking apples, but she doesn't know. Would you know if they're cooking apples or eating apples? L Star no, and Discovery. There was an old ad, Trish, I don't know who, what it was for, but you remember the, the tagline was uh, suck it and see. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, what comes to mind when I hear that and question. You'd, you'd kind of know by the shape of it as well. <laughs> you'd know, you'd, yeah. Well, you would by the shape of it, but, uh, but I can tell you anyway, Elstar and Discovery are both definitely eating apples. They're not cooking, they're eating apples and quite sweet. So, so, so she's okay on that one. And, she, and Sheila also has uh, rhubarb and wants to know what does she feed her rhubarb with? Uh, a couple of things to remember with rhubarb is number one give them a good mulch with good organic matter around the base of the plant Uh, you normally do that during the winter months but it pays dividends now because it stops the soil around the crown of the plant from drying out uh, in evaporation or sorry it it reduces it let's say Um, so give them a good mulch with something like uh, you could use seaweed you could use uh, rotted down farmyard manure or any good organic organic uh, material organic matter broken down as a mulch around the base of the plant uh, but also give them a feed with the liquid a liquid seaweed feed something like the nature safe uh, liquid seaweed that's the, the Galway one it's, it's made from um, what I'm always saying sustainably harvested seaweed which is important because uh, otherwise seaweed can take generations to grow back so the nature safe liquid seaweed is what I would use and they, they, they will thank you for it because they are quite hungry feeders. Okay, stay on fruit. Uh, this is from uh, Dennis, who is contacting us from Oxford in England. I've got a pear tree with clusters of under-matured pears. Should I simply pick them off, says Dennis? Well, no, I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I see what Dennis is probably asking. Is he, should he pick off some of them yeah. and leave to, to, to leave the others to mature? nature kind of there's two schools of thought on this Trish nature kind of does its own thing you'd often notice at this time of the year kind of fruit drop uh, apple drop and and pear drop where uh, trees can 
somewhat unexplainedly just drop fruits. And I, I think it is, and one of the theories, and this is the theory that I kind of subscribe to, is that the tree is dropping off excess fruits, if you like, uh, and and keeping enough fruit on the tree that it can bring to ripening stage, if you know what I mean. So what can happen is with a pear tree or an apple tree, when they are underdeveloped and there's a cluster of them, uh, that none of them mature properly, that they all stay small. So in that case, you can either leave it to nature, but if nature doesn't drop some of them, then yes, I probably would thin them out. So uh, where, where you have a cluster of maybe three or four, leave maybe one or maybe two um, so, so if nature doesn't do it or if she hasn't done it yet, then yeah, I'd probably do go out and do it by hand. How do, another listener, how do I get rid of brambles from under a hedge? With difficulty. Yeah, I knew <laughs> you were going to say answer. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Get down on your hands and knees, really. It's, it's, you know, it is a difficult job, but wear a good pair of gloves and, and long sleeves, obviously. It's a very re- rewarding job, Trish. Believe me, I've done it many times. When you pull out brambles and uh, you get one root system and it, it can clear up to 12 feet of brambles. Uh, but really, it's, it's the only way to do it, I'm afraid. It's a, it's a job to get down and dirty. Annette says, uh, hi Patricia, could you ask Peter, uh, what can I do to get rid of caterpillars out from my cabbage and broccoli? Thanking you in advance. You can get a product which is an excellent product and it's made by Grazers, which is a UK company, but it's widely available. Uh, And Grazers make a range of environmentally sound products based on calcium, different formulations of calcium. And what that does is, or what the the products do is, they, they, they kind of, which is all important. They help the plants to to prevent to help themselves, if you like, to prevent the pests attacking them. Uh, and as I'm always saying to you, Trisha, in, in, in the garden, it's what's vitally important is that we maintain this natural balance. Okay, and what that means in effect is that by ensuring a wide variety of species exist in our garden, both plant and animal species, that prevents the artificial build-up of any one species. Okay, so if you go out now, for example, with an insecticide. which I'm not recommending, obviously, to to spray off those caterpillars. You'll spray off the caterpillars, but you'll also spray off a lot of their predators. You'll also kill off, rather, a lot of their predators. And the caterpillar population will will grow back much quicker than that of their predators. So you've upset the natural balance. So it's far better to try and use products that will help the plants to become resistant so that you're not killing any of the species. Grazers does that because the calcium in it makes the plants totally unpalatable to whatever pest we're trying to control. In this case, it's caterpillars and cabbage fly and things like that. So grazers do one for cabbage fly and caterpillars, and that's what I would get get and spray it on your, your cabbage and your broccoli. Well done. Eddie's on the Model Farm Road. He said his lilies are out at the moment, but he wants to know what to do with the dead brown flowers. Do I leave them or do I take them away, says Eddie? Uh, you can leave them fall in their own time or, or just cut them off. But what's important is that you leave the stem as it goes brown uh, and it starts dying back into the bulb. You leave that die away naturally. So if you remove the stem, because all the goodness is going back into the bulb for next year's growth when the, when the stem is dying back. And if you cut it off prematurely and when it's green, you're just stopping all that from going back into the bulb. So the flower, it's just to do with aesthetics, really. You can either leave it fall off in its own time or chop it off. Uh, but the stem, you would need to leave die off naturally. Hi, this is from Kathleen in Game, who has a Portuguese laurel. It was planted in 2018. It looks like it's dying now from the bottom up. There's only a few green leaves on it. What would Peter recommend for a, Japan, a Portuguese laurel? I would say in the first instance, send us in a picture. We'll have a look at it to try and be a bit more certain on it. But I, it, it sounds, if it's 2018, it's in year three, it's still possible 
that it, it, it was drought damage at some point. Now, it's hard to believe that it was drought damage any time in the last 12 months, but it is possible. It's more likely, though, without seeing it now, I have to say, I haven't seen it, so I can't say for sure, but it sounds more likely that it's got some kind of fungal infection which is causing to that leaf drop, um, in which case I would treat it with the copper sulfate. Copper sulfate mixed with water, remove the, any infected growth where possible. So obviously it's easier to do that if, if the dying is from the top down as opposed to the other way around. So it may just be a case of removing diseased material from around the base of the plant. So if there's any leaves on the ground around the hedge that, that uh, may have yellow or black or anything on the leaves, remove them and dump them drench the area it's not so much the, the hedge you want to, 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 to drench but the soil around it uh, with a solution of the copper sulfate and water uh, and then feed it feed the hedge with the, again the nature safe liquid seaweed to give give it give it every chance of becoming resistant to it margaret is wondering uh, she said can i cover daffodils with plastic until september to keep the weeds at bay Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't be covering it any part of the garden like the in plastic. Easy way out of yeah. gardening. No, I absolutely no. wouldn't be covering the garden with any part of plastic. Um, I, I, I guess she means in a bed where you have daffodils and you don't want other stuff to come up. So yes, the principle of what you're trying to do makes sense, but you can do it without using plastic. So uh, just get get some bark mulch or get some. Um, uh, Bar- what you want to do is you see if you cut off light and oxygen to the soil nothing can germinate Trish okay so you can do that by putting down plastic but of course you're polluting the soil uh, you can also use it by applying a correct depth of mulch so one or two inches of mulch is, is pointless but if you put down gravel or bark or any organic matter to a depth of three or four inches then no weeds will germinate underneath it so that's what I would do you could also if you wanted to uh, get old newspaper, old newspapers and wet them so that they form a sodden mass, put that on the ground uh, and that will stop anything germinating beneath them and you can just throw a, a, a lighter layer of bark or something on top of that for aesthetics and to, to, to weigh it down. But no, I wouldn't go using plastic. Joe says, my lawn is infested with moss and thatch. What time of year is best to scarify? Will it be necessary to reseed it afterwards? If so, what seed would Peter recommend? The best time of year to scarify it, so what scarifying does in effect, it's like a mechanical rake where you're ripping up the thatch and the moss, physically ripping up it up off the soil surface. The best time of year to do it is, is March because you could, the, the, you, the, the lawn has a chance to recover and look well quite quickly at that time of the year because the temperatures are increasing. Definitely don't do it at the moment because of the, the, this lovely hung, long hot dry spell, which as I say is going to go on for six months. So don't do it at the moment. Um, but the next best month after March is September. So scarify it in September. Will it need seeding afterwards or not? Depends on each lawn, Trish. So it depends on how much comes off, if you like. So if, if you're left with 10% grass, then yes, you will need to reseed it. But um, it, So it just depends on how heavy it is. Uh, and I would reseed it if necessary with the, just a general purpose lawn, lawn seed mixture. The number two mixture, it's a Department of Agriculture mixture, number two. You, don't, you want something with no annual meadow grass, really. Um, but that's what I would go and use. Okay, and uh, where's the next one gone? Um, oh, hi. Is it a good idea to feed a new hedge with ten, ten, twenty? And if so, can I do it now? Uh, no, I wouldn't feed anything with that kind of chemical fertilizers like that. But at this time of the year, I, I, I don't have much experience, being honest, with the the agricultural ones, the ten, ten, twenties, and seven, six, seventeen. Um, 10, 10, 20 is high in potassium, so it would be good for root development. Probably be a good thing, better thing to use during um, 
um, the winter when you want to establish good root development and less growth over the ground. Don't apply anything now, but you you would also end up you would also you could also end up burning the hedge by using too much of it. So it's they're, they're not products I'm particularly familiar with. To be honest with you, uh, we would use kind of different mixes in the, in the world of horticulture. But I would. Um, I would err on the side of not using it and just concentrating on water for this year. It's a new hedge, so the most important thing it will need is water. Okay. Hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask Peter, what's the best solution to remove moss from my tarmac? I've tried lots and lots of products, but guess what? It keeps coming back. (laughs) I know you're going to get a plethora of calls and texts after this with suggestions like apparently the little washing powder and things like this work. And... um, but the, 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 in the question, you've kind of answered it a bit in your question, I'm afraid. Guess what? It keeps coming back. It will keep coming back. We, it must thrive in areas which are, are damp and mild. Uh, and the Irish climate is just that. It's a damp and mild climate. So moss will always be a problem. You won't prevent it, but you can get rid of it when it comes, all right? So using things like Jay's Fluid and things like that will, will, will get it. And, but there are far safer products to use. There's one on the market. I think it's called Algon, if I'm right. I'm fairly sure that's an Irish product uh, that is, if not organic, it's certainly environmentally sound. It may be organic. I'm not sure. But I think that I know that's a good one because I've used it. Uh, but also then, when I say you can't prevent it, you can't prevent it long term. But there is, I know Moscow have a fabulous product, which I've used several times. Moscow do a probiotic. It's an environmentally sound one. It's a probiotic. I think they call it moss killer. I don't find it brilliant as a moss killer, but it's brilliant as a moss preventative. So when you've got it cleaned with using your algon or whatever, put on then the Moscow probiotic, and it does keep it clean for up to 12 months. But as I say, uh, it's a perennial problem. If you're that's the, the yeah, and if you get in, it for 12 in, months, in that's the, the best you could, you could hope for. Okay, yes, and, as good as you get. Uh, and by email, recommendations please from Peter for a compost bin and a drain disinfectant. The drain disinfectant, well, I don't know about drains, but I know that the, uh, Growing Success is a brand name. Growing Success do an organic garden disinfectant. So that's the best suggestion. That's that's a good one. That's the, the best I can give you for, in terms of drains. Um, compost bins, there are so many of them on the market. The important thing when you're looking is to remember that the, the whole principle of composting, the two most important principles of composting are number one, that you use a good mixture of materials so that you don't fill it all, let's say, with the lawn mowings, for example, Trish. Equally, you don't fill it all with, with twigs because... Uh, the twigs will be, there's too much air getting at it, so it'll take forever to break down. And the, lo- the lawn mowings are the opposite. There's no air getting at it, so it'll take forever to break down. So you want a good mixture of material is the first thing with uh, with um, composting. But the second thing is that you need to, to agitate it. You need to turn the compost. So the composting process works. It builds up to, to a temperature in the centre, which breaks down the material. But the outside of it is always quite cold. So you need to turn it every so often to get the outside into the centre, if that makes sense. Now, with these bins, and I don't know how these bins were ever invented as compost bins, you know, just kind of like your upside-down bin with, mm. no, um, with no bottom to it. I don't know how they were ever used as compost bins because you can't agitate it. You can't get at it and dig it, and, and the, 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 I find them no good. So when you're looking for a compost bin, I would always look for one that rotates so you can get compost tumblers. Uh, I know you, you can pay a lot of money for some of them. Some of them, I think they're called the fat pig. They're very, very good. Yeah, it looks like you're you rotating pay the, bingo balls. A lot of money. 
It's like the Correct, thing, exactly. Yeah, the yeah, National yeah. Battery Drawdom is yeah. what I always yeah. describe it as. Yeah. But you can get cheaper compost tumblers. Uh, just bear in mind um, that they do need to have holes in them because I know there. I've seen some on the market which have no holes and that leads to anaerobic conditions inside which you don't want. Okay. It's just going to be a smelly smelly thing that doesn't going to work. But oh. get, look for a compost bin that, that rotates. Okay, listen, have a great week. And uh, we'll talk to you. And next, you, thanks, we'll talk to you next week. That is uh, Peter Dowdle of the IrishGardener.com. And can I just correct when somebody said that they heard on the BBC that the Americans weren't leaving people in if they had AstraZeneca, which we've got clarification on that. It seems it's to do with a concert for Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen is doing a concert uh, in uh, on Broadway, and it's obviously limited to people who've been vaccinated. And there, the three vaccinations that are recognised in the states are Pfizer, Moderna, and the single shot Johnson and Johnson, and they were initially saying if you had your double shot of AstraZeneca you wouldn't be allowed in. Now the owners evidently have had to reconsider because obviously they have people who have travelled and who do and have been vaccinated with AstraZeneca and they've now reversed their, their decision and the update is guidance is for everyone who was fully vaccinated once it was a World Health Organisation approved vaccine which of course AstraZeneca is so it's not the people who have not been allowed into America on AstraZeneca. It was to do with being allowed into a Bruce, Bruce Springsteen concert in Broadway. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to uh, John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Uh, to look after yourself, uh, take care and apologies if we didn't get around to all your gardening questions. We'll do it all over again next week. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.